Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Well, uh, good morning and welcome to Uncommon Church. I hope that you are uh, excited to get into the Word of God today. I know that I am. Uh, just, I just love talking with you and sharing with you. And um, there's a few thoughts that I, I, we're going to get to in a minute, but I kind of have to tee it up and, and, and set it up, if you will. Uh, so help me understand, if I were to, um, if I were to spend $100 on uh, a pair of shoes, if I were to spend $100 on a pair of jeans, spend $100, ladies, on a purse, spend $100 on a, on a coat for the winter, um, what's the value of the coat, the jeans, the purse, it, shoes? It, it's $100, right? Because everything was paid for for the exact same amount. The, pr- the same price was paid for all. Do you ever look at some Christians and think, wow, that's an amazing Christian. Like the way that they love God, the way that they worship, the way that they serve, the way that they carry themselves as a person of faith, that's a level 10 Christian. And I'm only a level three Christian. And maybe I could be like that guy. That's a level five Christian. That is definitely a level one Christian over there. But my point is, if we believe that God looks at us and rates us based on what we think a level 10 Christian is or a level five Christian is, we're believing a lie. Because the same price was paid for all of us. The problem with a lie is if we believe it, and we put faith in a lie, although it's not true, it becomes true to us. So we've taken something that's a totally bananas lie, but then we believe it. And listen to this, this is what we're gonna talk about today. Every time we believe in a lie, our hope and our joy is stolen. Every time we believe in a lie, our hope and our joy is stolen. Let me give you another lie that too often we believe, especially if we come from kind of a checkered background. We would say, listen, there is something uniquely wrong with me. I struggle with X, Y, or Z to the point where I know something's wrong with me. That's a lie. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, well, I'm struggling with sin and, and I was born into sin. Okay, yes, everybody was born with a sin nature. Like, like, everybody, everybody. Romans chapter five says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, This is the way that death came to all people because all have sinned. So from Adam and Eve, the door has been opened that sin has been handed down from generation to generation. But when you repent of your sin and you make Jesus the Lord of your life, he washes away your sin as far as the east is from the west. So to say that there's something wrong with you is a lie. Even your sin has been washed away by the love and blood of Jesus. So then people be like, well, 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 then why do I still struggle with anxiety? Why do I struggle with fear? Why do I struggle with addiction? Why do I struggle with this sin? Listen, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It simply means that there's a portion of your mind that still needs to be renewed into the likeness of Jesus. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, this is a verse that we preach all the time here, says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed. How? by the renewing of your mind. So there's nothing wrong with you. If you believe that, that's a lie. And if there's still an area of your life that you're struggling with, you just continually need to accept and embrace and go through the process of having your mind transformed 
by the word. And if the word is what's transforming our mind, there can be no limit on how much we can be renewed. Ergo, if there's no limit on how much we can be renewed, there's no limit on how much we can be transformed. So although you are a level 10 Christian because the same price was paid for you as whoever you're thinking is this amazing Christian, the very name and blood of Jesus was spilled for you, there's oftentimes still areas of our heart, our mind, our lives that need to be transformed. So if you were hoping to get to level 10 Christian, Welcome to the club, you're already there. If you think that there's something wrong with you, that's a lie. Don't put any faith in that because that will steal your hope and your joy. And the enemy always wants to steal our hope and joy. Our hope and joy is like our, 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 our arc reactor that lives on the inside of us that is always just breathing life and faith and purpose into our lives. And the devil hates it when we operate from a place of faith, hope, and joy. So the devil is always gonna try to attack it in our lives. Therefore, sometimes we will face situations in life where things don't go well. We get fired from a job or laid off or we miss a flight or whatever. We, we, um, we, we get a bad diagnosis from the doctor or uh, your spouse files papers on you. Like I'm not saying we don't face trial in life, but it's as if we only have hope and joy if things are going well in life. But last time I read the Bible, Jesus is Lord on the top of the mountain Jesus is also Lord in the valley. In fact, if you read the Bible, Jesus kind of likes the valley. And he's like, dude, regardless of your outward circumstances, hope and joy is not of this world. It's coming from the inside. So sometimes when we're walking through the valley, Jesus is like setting up a card table and putting out like a red and white checkered picnic tablecloth. And he's got, you know, like some sandwiches. And he kind of kicks back. And we're all like, hey, JC, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to get out of this valley that I'm in. And Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me because you're a great shepherd and I'm a sheep and I trust you. Verse 5 says, in that valley, you prepare a table before me in the very presence of my enemy. So in the presence of financial trouble, in the presence of relationship trouble, in the presence of health trouble, Jesus is kicked back in a picnic table like mocking the enemy. And we're all like, dude, for real. I want to go to the mountaintop. I don't want to be in the valley. And he's all like, dude, for real. Your hope and your joy, that has nothing to do with your outward circumstances. Hope and joy are an inside job. That's a good place to clap. Let me put it this way. Third John, verse two. Beloved at Uncommon Church, or beloved lady said Uncommon Church. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. How do we get that? Just as your soul prospers. So if you break that verse down, our outward health is following a healthy soul. So this, the thing on the outside is not nearly as important as the health of the inside. I've heard it recently said in a great sermon, hope and joy are an inside job. Meaning, how we respond to outward circumstances is actually more important than what's going on in the outward circumstances. Because the, how we respond reveals the heart. And sometimes we will face tests in life, big tests, little tests, but how we respond to the outward circumstance is a reflection of our heart. So God is actually looking at our heart and he's offering us 
the promised land or another lap around the desert. And that's my problem. Sometimes I'm like, Lord, why am I going through this desert in my life? He's like, I don't know. Are you living and facing through things from a response of hope and joy? Or are you simply reacting to outward circumstances? Because if you take an orange and you squeeze an orange, OJ is going to squeeze out. Not OJ in prison. but Actually, is he still in prison? I think he got out, didn't he? If you squeeze OJ, there's some jokes I want to make, but I, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm fighting the, come on, Rick, help me. If you squeeze an orange, orange juice is going to come out. Because when we get squeezed, we see what's on the inside. So when we get squeezed, the Lord is looking for, hey, is there any, is there any hope and joy that's going to come out of your life? Or are you just going to respond to the situation that you're facing? See, our success in the kingdom of God, our success in life, our success in business, our success in marriage, our success in how we raise our kids, it's actually a reflection of the state of our soul, not a state of our circumstances. Well, I wish I had their spouse. <laughs> no, that's coveting. I wish I had their job. I wish I had their house. I wish I drove that car. None of that matters. That's all a reflection of outward circumstances. Hope and joy is an inside job. It's not a set of emotions. Hope and joy in the kingdom of God is actually a belief system. Think like an operating system. If you were to buy a Dell computer and boot it up, the default operating system would be Windows. If you were to buy an Apple computer, the default operating system would be Macintosh. If you were to buy an Android, the default operating system would be disappointment. Because when you fire these items up, they're going to revert to their default operating system. And if you lack hope and joy in your soul on the inside, you simply need a different operating system. You need a different belief system. One that is based on faith in the kingdom of God and that no matter what, the baseline for your life is a reflection that God is good. Interesting that we sang that song this morning. I didn't ask them to sing it. Probably just a coincidence. When we truly believe in our heart that God is good no matter what we face, that becomes our default belief system, our default operating system, and therefore the reflection of our life should be one of hope and joy. I don't understand people, and I see it a lot in the Western church, I see it a lot in the American church, they claim to have faith in God, but they have no hope and joy in their life. And I'm like, one of these things is not like the other. Because clearly we have not met the same Jesus. Because the Jesus that I have met is amazing. The Jesus that I have met is a, is, is, is a loving father and a victorious king of kings and lord of lords. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He, he, he washes away our sin. He adopts us into the family of God. He's amazing. And our response to this king of kings can't be like, yeah, all right, whatever. That's, you do you. That's your thing. I'm just going to watch online once a month. No offense to you that are watching online. I'm assuming you're protecting yourself from COVID or you have COVID or you're at high risk. If you're not and you're just watching online because you don't want to come to church today, have we met the same Jesus? That's a different sermon and a different talk. And I don't want to mess up your hope and joy. See, our hope and joy is an inside job. Proverbs chapter four and verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart. 
above all else, guard your heart. Why? Because everything you do is going to flow from your heart. Above everything, guard your heart. No matter what happens on the outside, protect your heart on the inside. Because inner joy is not affected by worldly circumstances. Let me give you a practical example from Scripture. It's from the prophet Isaiah, and it's right before a terrible time in Israel's history. And he says, hey, barren woman, that's a woman with no child, why don't you sing because you've never born a child? Hey, dude, just, girl, burst into song. Shout for joy. Get your dance on because you've never been in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Let me put it in context because I know it got a little weird there at the end. Isaiah is prophesying to a time in Israel's history where they will be delivered from their exile in Babylon. That there is hope even in the midst of this great pain that you're suffering. The Apostle Paul actually quotes this verse in the New Testament and he's talking about a time in the future when many, many, many people are gonna put their faith in Jesus and there's gonna be more children in the family of God. Notice that even though this woman is barren and has no children, Isaiah is saying, throw a party, let's shout, let's sing. And that is totally bananas because there's no greater pain for a woman that wants children to not have children. Like, and in the ancient world, especially when there wasn't in vitro, there wasn't a great adoption process, like there was no hope. It was shameful to have no children. And Isaiah is saying, you know that pain and that agony you feel on the outside? On the inside, I want you to sing for joy. I want you to shout and dance, not because of what you have, but because of what you are hoping for. Recently, I've heard it said that hope and joy is an inside job. Regardless of your outward circumstances, our response, so your boss walks in and says, hey, we're, um, we're downsizing and we're cutting your division. Instead of like crying and throwing everything in a cardboard box and cussing everybody on your way out the door, you should be like, I got laid off, I got laid off. I can't wait to see what God's gonna do to open another door for me to work. That's a barren woman singing for joy because our hope is not in our outward circumstances. Our hope and joy comes from the inside. Now, let me say this. From time to time, we lose loved ones and they die. There is a season and a time for mourning. And I'm not asking you to throw a party and, and just shout and dance when you're still mourning the loss of a loved one. Those seasons come and they go in our life and I don't want you to not mourn. I want you to embrace the mourning. I want you to cry and shout and, and scream and feel those feelings because that's how our broken heart is healed. I'm talking to those who are not in a season of mourning and that our outward circumstances, here's, <clears throat> let, me say, let me put it this way. If we allow outward circumstances to steal our hope and joy, it gives us a victim mindset. And we think of ourselves as orphans. But once we make Jesus the Lord of our life, we're not victims, we are victors, we are overcomers, we are conquerors. Jesus said, actually, he's gonna give us the victory and we are more than conquerors. So when we react to just whatever comes our way, it implies that God isn't good. When we throw a temper tantrum, if, we, if our division gets cut and we get laid off, it's implying God isn't good, he's not gonna provide for you, he's not gonna give you another job, and you're gonna be living on the street in about 10 minutes. 
that makes you think like a victim, that makes you think like an orphan. And because of the power and the blood of, the, of Jesus Christ, we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. So don't respond and react to whatever comes your way. Just remember that hope reactor living on the inside of you. I, I want you to just ask yourself a question. What might be keeping you from radical hope and joy right now in your life? And if you don't know, ask the Holy Spirit. Even in, in our prayer time later, I just say, Lord, what is it that's keeping me from radical, extravagant hope and joy? And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. He'll say, well, it's this thing with money. It's this thing with health. It's this relationship that you're having. It's this thing. And then I want you to take that thing and lay it at the altar and say, Lord, forgive me for responding to outward circumstances. I, 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 want, I, I want what beats on the inside of my heart to be one of hope and joy. Now, let me speak to people that, um, and we see this sometimes in mamas and grandmas and stuff, but I guess it could be in everybody. Little worry warts. Like, well, I, I have hope and joy. I have peace. Praise hallelujah. I, I just worry about the situation that we're in in the world in these last 18 months. I, I worry about the economy and I worry about politics and I worry about money and, and then we try to make it spiritual. I'm just, I'm just worrying for my spouse or I'm worrying for my kids or for my grandkids. And we think we're demonstrating love but all our worry is doing is dragging those that we love into this house of fear and gloom and anxiety where God is not good. And that worry ends up making us weak. And when we're weak, we get run over by the enemy. Because I remind you that it's Nehemiah that said, it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. So, so many Christians are weak because we're giving in to worry, because we have no hope, because we have no joy. And the joy of the Lord is actually our strength. So what you should do, instead of worrying for your family and worrying for your kids and your grandkids, you should be so full of faith, so full of hope, so full of joy. It's like you're going around and just dragging them into this place of joy. Well, grandmama says that God is good and everything's gonna be okay. Okay, I'm just gonna get dragged into grandma's house of joy. I also hear this sometimes from intercessory prayer people, right? They're like, well, bless God. I just have such a burden to pray. And you walk around like you've just gotten baptized in vinegar. <laughs> Listen, if you really believe in the one that you're praying for, although there might be some heavy situations that start in mourning, if you really believe that our God is good, it's going to end in dancing. Because it's a religious spirit that will keep people away from hope and joy. See, religion is always trying to separate people. It segregates people. It puts shame on some people and honor on other people. Religion is always striving for perfection. But there's no such thing as perfection on this side of eternity. So we have to choose hope and joy and embrace the process of growth and transformation in our lives. Because when we really pray and believe that God is good, that, that he is our amen. Let me put it on another practical scale and, and take this concept to the family. You're a young family. You've got a toddler who's learning to walk. You've got a, a little guy that's learning to hit the ball off the tee, tee ball. You've got a ballerina that's learning the steps to her little number. You've got a kid that's in the fifth grade spelling bee. You've, you've got children that are trying things that are outside of their ability to do so. Healthy family celebrates 
failure. Because, like, how often do you think about it? Like, a little, like, 11-month-old is learning to, to toddle over to the coffee table and then falls. You're like, you stupid kid. I can't believe you fell down. And then you, like, post on Facebook, my dumb baby was learning to walk and fell down. <laughs> but that's how the church treats people that are new Christians that make mistakes and fall down sometimes. Like, a good dad isn't like, it's on a tee. How did you not hit it, you idiot? You can't strike out a t-ball, moron. A good dad is like, hey, champ, I'm just glad you tried. See, healthy family celebrates wins and losses. And there's a joy in that. When your little kid is wiping his tears, he's like, I don't know how I struck out on t-ball. You just pick him up and you're like, yeah, but you tried and I'm so proud of you. We're, we're, in, we're putting joy into them and saying, your outward circumstances are not gonna rob your hope and joy. I'm gonna breathe it into you. See, so often, when we see people, we put on a lens, and that lens is you struck out. That lens is you misspelled the word at the spelling bee. That lens is you fell down when you were learning to walk. That lens is you got high, you got drunk, you slept with somebody you weren't married to. And we, we, we see people through their, the eyes of failure, shame, and punishment. Look at what you did. Let's rub your nose in it. There will be no hope and no joy for you because of your past failure. But then you read the Bible and Jesus is like, yeah, I'm not really gonna look at your past. I'm gonna look at your Holy Ghost potential for the future. Because you gotta be honest, fishermen and tax collectors weren't the first choice for anybody to become world-changing preachers. But Jesus was not looking at their past. He was looking at the potential of their future. That being said, if we would follow Jesus' very own example, I've heard it said, hope and joy is an inside job. Now, let me be clear. There's no room for sin on the inside if we're cultivating a culture of hope and joy. You see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that because we're getting drunk or getting high or looking at porn or uh, getting angry or sleeping with somebody we're not married to, that that's acceptable. We can't allow that in our generator of hope and joy. There's a great verse from King David after he committed adultery and murder, like two of the top 10, right? Like this is pretty serious sin. And in Psalm 51, he's like, God, you gotta, you gotta create a clean heart in me. I, I don't want sin in my heart. I don't want sin in my mind. I don't wanna get away with sin. Lord, I love your presence so much. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. In Psalm 51, verse 12, he says, restore to me the joy. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Restore, I, I looked it up in the Hebrew what that word meant because I, I, I had a feeling that could go a couple different ways. That word restore in the Hebrew, he was saying, bring me back to a specific moment. Like bring me back to July 18th, you know, 3002 BC. You know, like bring me back to that moment because I want you to restore the joy of my salvation. Imagine if you will, what's the favorite thing you own? Maybe it's a truck, boat, purse, shoes, gun, earrings, computer, friggin' whatever. Your favorite thing you own. Go back to the day you bought that. 
right? And you're like, I remember uh, my coolest gift of my most recent years has been uh, Josie got me a Glock 19 uh, for Christmas, Father's Day, I don't know, Thursday, whatever, a couple years ago. And I didn't know it was coming. Like, I had no clue. And I'm like, oh, here's a heavy box this size, okay, you know. And I open it, and I'm like, my wife knows my love language. I remember that moment. I remember that feeling. Parents, do you remember the day that your first child was born? I mean, your second and third child, that was great too. But you remember that first child? <laughs> as, as my second child is here. Like, it's just this like amazing, like, I'll never be the same because of this little lump of eight pounds of meat. Like, this thing is changing me forever. I don't, have you ever like won the lottery or something? And, like, you're like, you remember that day you're like, Four, 18, 26, 7, 19, I'm a millionaire! That's what we should, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But if you do, I'm glad you go to our church and tithe. The point is, we got a big remodel coming up in January. <laughs> um, we need to go back to that specific hour, moment, time when Jesus washed away our sin. Do you remember that time that I went from sinner to saint? I went from orphan to child of the most high God. I, I went from carrying this heavy load of sin and Jesus loved me so much. He just removed my sin and picked me up and, and held me in his arms. He washed away my sin. Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation and the joy in the Lord is our strength. So yes, I'm not saying we look at people based on their past. We look at their future and who God's called them to be, but we don't allow sin to remain in our hearts either. I also see this sometimes. People have a little gray hair over their ears, a little gray hair popping in their goatee, for guys too. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Josie. So, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That was funny though. I'm on a roll today. I'm a lot funnier here than I am here. I'm gonna regret that on the drive home after a great marriage retreat too. So, what was I saying? Because I totally forgot. Be joyful. Yeah, be joyful and stuff. Have hope. Oh, gray hair. People become so mature, no hair. Ken's rubbing his bald cue ball. People become, hey, I've been saved 30,000 years, man. I'm, I'm the most spiritual. I'm a level 10 Christian off the chart. How, how come you never smile? Like, we never become so mature as Christians that we graduate from hope and joy. If you think about it, and you're doing it right, the older you get in Jesus, the more hope and joy you should have. Yeah. Like, our older people should be like, man, I just love Jesus, how are you? And people are like, dude, granny, chill. Like, <laughs> but that's what hope and joy is. It's an inside job. And the longer, like, we never graduate from hope and joy. We return to it. We keep returning to it. Lord, I need more hope, I need more faith, I need more peace, I need more joy. And you know what it is? These are things that we need to carry. Be like, no, I, I'm surrounded by hope, I'm surrounded by faith, I'm surrounded by joy. But then here's what happens. Sometimes we realize I'm carrying fear, I'm carrying pain, I'm carrying anxiety, I'm carrying sin, I'm carrying addiction. And you're like, what happened to my hope and joy? You put it down somewhere to pick up something else. So returning to the joy of your salvation is, I'm taking off fear, I'm taking off sin, I'm taking off addiction. Here it is, I'm picking up hope, I'm picking up fear, I'm faith, I'm picking up joy. 
Just go back and pick it up again. Return to that place where your, your sins were washed away. And you're like, I don't need to be famous. I don't need to preach. I don't need to sing on a worship team. I don't need to be in ministry. I just need to be a son and a daughter of the Most High God because he loves me. Return to that place and throw a party. And I tell you what, when you return to the place of salvation, it's not a golf clap. Well, bravo, Jesus. Thank you for saving me of my sin. No, it's like you just won the Super Bowl with a Hail Mary touchdown as time expired. You're like, I'm saved. I'm his child. He loves me. Come on, somebody. Let me go back to the example of children. You ever notice that children aren't too bummed out by whoever's president every four years? I don't really care. They're just excited that it's, you know, a Wednesday. Children don't care what the cost of gas is per gallon. Children don't care what's going on in Iraqistan. Children don't really care what's going on in the next street over. They're just excited for a new day. Like, well, what about the economy and all the cargo ships off California? They're like, yeah, I don't know, but look at that bug right there. That's cool. Can we just get excited about the bug? They're full of wonder and joy. Why? Because they don't let outward circumstances affect their joy. Kids could be all dressed up. You're going for a photo shoot. You've paid your you know, $185 deposit to get your fall pictures taken so you can send a Christmas card. Everybody's cute and hair is trimmed and bows are in and wearing their brand new clothes and their brand new shoes. And you're walking to the place where they're gonna take pictures and you'll turn around and the little kid steps in horse manure. And mom is like saying very colorful words. But the kid is like, cool. Now we're just gonna make like mud pies. They could be covered in poop and be like, this is the best day I've ever had because the outward circumstances are not going to affect my life and they're not going to steal my joy. It could be like a kid's birthday party and it starts to rain and the parents are like, no, and the kid's like, let's play in the rain. That's what I want you to do next time you have money trouble, health trouble, marriage trouble, whatever. Be like, let's play. Let's experience the goodness of God like what? What did Jesus tell us? Like a child. Faith like a child. And children don't care about outward circumstances. They're just, they're just there to play. Can I just, for those of you that are so mature and about the childhood um, analogy, if your dad is super rich and he dies, you're gonna be sad, but it's what they call mixed emotions. Because your dad's like, I'm about to get a big old inheritance. Children of the King of Kings and Lord of Hordes will receive an amazing kingdom inheritance. So that should give you hope and joy all the time. Let me, as I land this plane, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're not good at all. So the Baptists are gonna beat you to lunch. So I didn't mean that in a bad way. I just meant we're gonna be here a while. Um, Hope, I just wanna zero in, just right on hope for a minute. In the kingdom of God, there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. I'm gonna say it again, because no, nobody amened over here. Thanks, Shane. Listen, this house left. In the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as a hopeless situation. Now oh, they beat you really bad. It's like youth camp. I love Jesus, yes I do. Some of you weren't even saved back then, but Ben and I know. In the kingdom, there's always hope. 
Because the kingdom says that the future is better than the past. And we always have something to look forward to. So we always have hope about what God is about to do. I've studied great leaders and pastors. There is a common denominator in all great pastors. And they have this like outrageous, ridiculous hope and joy. And the thing is this, to really understand hope, you have to realize that A, God is good. We've talked about that. But B, God wants to partner with people on the earth. But if he's gonna choose to partner with people on the earth, he's gonna pick people that have unrealistic hope. God has not called us to be realistic. Did you get that? God has not called us to be realistic as to what is possible within the confines of this kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is not an earthly kingdom. So we're called to live supernatural lives that reflect hope and faith and joy and peace. And that's always going to look unrealistic to the outside world. But if you read your Bible, every time a person was used by God to release a miracle on the earth, yes, it needs faith, but every single person had to have the hope that what they were believing God for was about to happen. Otherwise, we would never pray and try to do things in faith. But hope is the thing that burns on the inside of us that says, yeah, God can do that. God can, God can do that. Hope ignores all the things that could go wrong. But we in our intellect were like, well, I, I don't know. It doesn't seem realistic to try that. When Moses walked to the water and the armies of Egypt were chasing him down and the Lord said, I want you to lift up that staff and I'm going to part the Red Sea. He had to actually, you know, have hope that it was going to happen or he never would have done it. David is facing this giant warrior, Goliath, and he's this young teenage boy, shepherd. He had to actually have hope and believe that he was going to defeat Goliath, or he never would have stepped out in faith. Ezekiel had to hope that the dry bones would come back to life. Every time we, Peter, hey, I want you to step out of the boat under the water and walk over here. Peter's like, okay, cool, I'm walking on water. And then what happened? He looked at the worldly, earthly circumstances and he began to get wet. And then Jesus picked him back up. We always forget the fact that when Jesus picked him back up and they walked back to the boat, they're walking on water. It's better to be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter. Because you gotta have hope. Let me speak to our prophetic people. Which means, let me speak to everybody. Let me try that again. Let me speak to our prophetic people. And the apostle Paul said, I want everyone to prophesy. So I'm speaking to everyone. You can't prophesy from a, a position that does not stand on hope and joy. Like, well, have you read the Old Testament prophets? Yeah, but they didn't see the empty tomb. That was good preaching. Anybody that's prophesying and speaking on words of the Lord Ever since that empty tomb, every single prophetic declaration we give is one of victory, one of victory, one of victory, one of hope, one of joy. So if your prophetic words are not dripping with hope and joy, 
You need to go back and look at that empty tomb. God likes to partner with people on the earth. Yeah, he's the king of the universe. If he wanted to, he could do whatever he wants. He wants to partner with you. He wants to release the kingdom of God on the earth through you. And all he's doing is he's looking around for people that have the most hope and joy. He's like, all right, let me give them some, some of my kingdom. So we're looking like, how did they become a level 10 Christian? Hope and joy. It's not rocket science. Hope and joy that God can do anything and that he is good. Our vision at Uncommon Church, which those of you that are, are new to our church and you're gonna go through Growth Track 1 in 15 minutes, you're gonna realize that our vision is to know God, and I mean know God personally, to grow strong. We don't want a church to be a mile wide and an inch deep. To know God, to grow strong, and then to do what God has called each one of us to do. But I'm not changing the vision of our church, but there is something that's more important than doing, and that is what do we believe? See, parents of teenagers are always like, well, I'm just worried what they're doing up there in their room. Parents, you should be more concerned with what your kids believe than what they're doing. Because if we really believe that God is good, if we really believe in the Lordship of Jesus, if we really believe in his victory, if we really believe in that empty tomb, everything we do will be a reflection of what we believe. And everything we do will be full of hope and joy. Because our belief system is our operating system that drives everything else. So, so often, we equate and we limit our hope and joy based on who we are and not based on who God is. We look at our, I'll say it again. So often, we limit the hope and joy that we think that God can release in our life because we know us. We know our own sins. We know our own struggles. We know our own fears. And we project our weakness onto God himself and we limit faith, hope, and joy. We need to see people through the eyes of God. We need to see people's potential. We need to see what God can do through them. We need to see this church. We need to see this city and these mid-cities through the eyes of what God could do in the future if a group of people would grab a hold of hope and joy. Hope and joy is released into our lives when we put on the lens of faith. Hop up on your feet. One final thought. From I've been doing this for about 25 years now. In my experience, it's not scriptural, but I could, I could give you some scriptures to make it sound scriptural. It is scriptural. I could give you scripture. I'm not going to, anyway. People that live in godly community have more hope and joy. People that are involved in a U group every week, people that are serving on a dream team, people that have relationships with other people of faith, they have more hope and joy. Why? Because God created us believers to be a family, not an institution. And in family, we build each other up and we fight for each other and we jump in one another's foxholes and we strengthen one another. And what does that do after a couple of weeks, months, years? Dude, we're dripping with hope and joy because we're surrounded by community. So if you're choosing to just watch online from a distance, if you're choosing to, to go to this church and not plug into this church, you're going to struggle long-term with hope and joy. Hope and joy will be released into your life when you rub shoulders with other people in this church. So I strongly encourage you to put yourself in the middle of the family of God. Get into a group 
that meets during the week. Serve on a team. And sometimes it's like, so we have to go to you group just so we can sit around and smile and like laugh? Because that's not, I'm not a smile laughy guy. So sometimes hope and joy is released just from being with people. Just from going out to eat together. You're, you're releasing hope and joy into one another. And I'll also just say this. This is my closing, on top of my closing, right before I do my closing. It's a choice. You had to choose to come to church today. You had to choose what clothes you were going to wear. You had to choose what seat you were going to sit in. You had to choose to surrender your life to Jesus. Hope and joy is not choosing happiness. Hope and joy is not connected to our circumstances around us. Hope and joy is by surrendering our lives to Jesus. And you're like, well, dude, that's nice for you, but you don't know the situation I'm in. I'm going through this terrible health crisis. I'm going through this terrible financial crisis. I'm going through this terrible relationship crisis. The Apostle Paul wrote a big chunk of your Bible from prison, basically on death row. He wrote to the Philippians from, from prison. And he's like, hey, church in Philippi, y'all should always be joyful. And that joy is in the Lord. Again, I'm gonna tell you, rejoice. Where is your joy? It's in the Lord. Forget choice. Paul's put it in the command form. He's like, just do it. Just be happy in Jesus. Just find your strength in the Lord. Because it's connected. The two are connected. He told the church in Rome, I pray that God, who is the source of hope, and some of you are like, I don't have any hope in my life. God is the source of hope. Get saved today. I pray that God, who is the source of hope, will fill you just a little bit with joy and peace. Wait, hold on, hold on. I pray that God, who is the source of hope, oh, snap, will fill you completely. I pray that he will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you've trusted in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope that comes with the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the source of your hope and joy. And the devil always wants to steal your hope and joy. So James said, resist the devil and he will flee. And I'll also say this, don't wait for things to get better to choose joy. Choose joy now and then they're gonna get better later. You see what I'm saying? It's a, your choice is now. I'm gonna choose hope and joy no matter what. I'm gonna choose to tie my hope and joy to the Lord. Earlier I asked you, what's keeping you from extravagant hope? What's keeping you from extravagant joy? And I said that you should ask the Holy Spirit. This is that time where I, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, do I have extravagant overflowing hope and joy in my life? And if not, would you please shine a light into my heart so that I can surrender these things to you? And for a lot of people, it's because we have simply believed a lie. And we opened with, a lie will always steal your hope and joy. Well, there's level 10 Christians, and then there's little old me, just a level three Christian. That's a lie. It's robbed you of your hope and joy. Well, I, there's just something uniquely wrong with me. That's a lie, and it's stealing you of your hope and joy. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to get free from my addiction to weed, or my addiction to booze, or my addiction to porn, or my addiction to my own anger, or my addiction to food. Or I'm just, I'm never going to get free. That's a lie, and it's robbed you of your hope and joy. When you believe in a lie, it will steal your hope and joy. 
So ask the Lord if there's any lie that you're currently believing and then giving it truth in your life. Just close your eyes, I wanna pray for you. And I wanna remind you that that last verse that we read, hope is connected to our relationship with God. So I want you to examine your heart. Do you have a relationship with God that is dripping, it is overflowing with extravagant hope and joy? And if not, today is your day to get right with God. Online people, I've been messing with y'all a lot today. Right there in your living room, right there in your bedroom, in your car, wherever you're watching this on YouTube, just close your eyes and ask the Holy Spirit, is there any area in my life that I'm not right? Is there any area that I believed a lie? And maybe, you know, we, we see a lot of people watch our videos and get right with the Lord digitally. I, I want you to take this moment. I, I, here, people are bowed in prayer and they're seeking God. This is for you online. I want you to really ask the Lord. Ask yourself, am I right with God? If I were to get hit by a bus and die, would I have the hope and joy that I would immediately see my Savior Jesus? Or is there fear that our sin still is taking a place in our heart and we're not sure if we would go to heaven? Listen, if, if you're here in the room or watching online, you don't need to have any fear of death. Whether you die at 95 years old or you die this afternoon, there's no fear in death when your faith is in Jesus because we operate from a baseline operating system of God is good, I've seen the empty tomb, so I'm gonna live from a place of hope and joy. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. It's, again, it's your choice. I can't make you pray, I can't make you believe, but I will lead you in a prayer if you'd like me to. So this is the same. For those that are watching online or here in the room, if you're not right with God and you need to pray and repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, make Jesus the Lord of your life, this might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this, or maybe it's the first time in a long time. It's been a minute since you've been in church. It's, it's been a while since you've allowed God to wash and cleanse your heart and you've allowed sin back into your, your soul. So first time or first time in a long time, if, if today is your day to repent and get right with Jesus, whether you're here in the room or watching online just by yourself, would you shoot your hand up real high and just say, today's my day. Preacher, pray for me. I see your hand over there. I see your hand over there. Is anybody else? Shoot your hand up real high. Just say, I need to get right with God today. Yeah, I see your hand over there. Good, good. Praise God. Listen, I know it's weird, but the three people in the room just raised their hand. I'm talking to you. I know I can't see you and you can't see me, but God sees you. So right there in your living room, right there in your car, right there in your bedroom, just put your hand up and say, I've got to get right with God today. For you that are online and for you two or three that raised your hand, can we all pray this prayer together? If you believe it in your heart, I want you to pray it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. I repent. I surrender my life to you. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I receive the gift of eternal life. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, the lover of my soul. Restore to me the joy of salvation. I receive hope and joy in my soul. Lord, help me to see everything through the eyes of faith the eyes of destiny, 
the eyes of hope and joy in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. And shout for God. Shout for God. This is your day of salvation. This is your day of salvation. Write this down, because this is the day you return to when you're like, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. You're returning to this day and this moment. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.